Welcome to This Week in the Warner Archive Collection, where we discuss our newest releases. I'm George Feltenstein, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleagues, Matt Patterson and D.W. Ferranti. There is a revolution approaching, revolution number nine, as we have nine new releases from the Warner Archive Collection for DVD. We have eight feature-length motion pictures and a television series for which we bring you the fifth out of seven seasons, the fifth season making its debut, that television series being Medical Center, calling Dr. Gannon, calling Dr. Gannon. But the eight features, the first four star Alan Ladd, and they are Drumbeat, The Big Land, The Deep Six, and Guns of the Timberland. And then we move from Alan Ladd to Monogramania, as we have three <laughs> monogram films and technically an allied artist movie, which was Monogram's A-label at that time in the 40s. And these are very rare film noir that you almost can't see anywhere else. There have been one or two theatrical screenings, but this is the first time on home video, first time on DVD, and most of them you haven't been able to see at all until now, as we bring you Below the Deadline from 1946, The Hunted with the Amazing Belita from 1947, Stage Struck from 1948, and Incident from 1949. So, without further ado, let's talk about one of the great leading men of cinema who isn't talked about enough, and we're happy to add four more of his films to the Warner Archive Collection, the great Alan Ladd. George, I have a question. Yes. I noticed on all these films a beautiful logo with a big cat. Was it Jaguar Productions? Jaguar Productions, or as I've learned from Jeremy Clarkson by watching Top Gear, that the Americans say Jaguar and they say Jaguar. Yeah, but it's our word. <laughs> it's and true. Patrick it's, Stewart made a big deal about it on Top Gear also. Uh, Jaguar. <laughs> Notice how the Americans say Jaguar, and it's Jaguar. So but anyway, Alan Ladd uh, rose to fame at Paramount Pictures mm -hmm. in the early 40s. His breakthrough film was This Gun for Hire, where he co-starred with Veronica Lake. And uh, what followed was 10 years of superstardom at Paramount, where Alan Ladd Probably Alan Ladd and Bing Crosby were the top male stars, along with Bob Hope, I guess, at Paramount. And then in the early 50s, actors that were under contracts to various studios started to break the rules and go independent. And James Stewart did that. He was one of the first people to do a production deal with a studio and have a percentage of the gross in lieu of a larger paycheck. And that was what was happening at the time in the early 50s as the industry was changing. So after 10 years, Alan Ladd left Paramount and Shane, which was released in 1953, which he's probably most famous for, and is a Paramount film that Warner Home Video put out on Blu-ray not too long ago. They got wonderful reviews. Before Shane was released, Alan Ladd had already left Paramount. Uh. Shane had been completed at the end of 1951, and Alan Ladd came to Warner Brothers to make The Iron Mistress with Virginia huh. Mayo, which is part of the Warner Archive collection. And yet there were still Paramount films in the bank, mm -hmm. in the vault there, that hadn't been released yet. So Alan Ladd became a free agent working at Warner Brothers, working at Columbia, working at 20th Century Fox, and many of the productions that he made 
were from his own production company called Jaguar Productions. And you see that lovely logo right. on these films. And what's really great about these four films is they are four out of seven films produced by the Jaguar Lad Company. The home video rights are now with Warner Brothers once again. These films were made by Warner Brothers. We lost the rights for many years. Then we had television rights, but not home video rights. Now we have all rights in conjunction with the Ladd Family Partnership. And uh, I am, uh, in full disclosure, uh, personally friendly with uh, Alan Ladd Jr., who was my boss at MGM for many years, and uh, his brother David Ladd, who was a production executive there. And uh, I'm happy to help bring the Ladd Family legacy to the Warner Archive collection with these four films. So this is like a reunion for you. Very much so, and also for a lot of people who have written us asking why aren't these films available, and it wasn't clear whether we would be able to get right. the rights or whether we wouldn't. Well, we got the rights. They're widescreen, they look terrific, and they're very, very different and very, very exciting. Let's talk about yeah, the films. Yeah, I was just going to say, because also you just unified this with the production, but in a way, although they're all different films, this is a similar period of Alan Ladd. You get like a Absolutely. real good chronological slice of him, the characters, because this was his own production company. These were the characters and the stories it seemed like he was interested in telling, and that personal investment is very evident in these movies. Absolutely, and the first one, Drumbeat, which is a cinemascope spectacular, co-stars a very young Charles Buczynski, who at the <laughs> urging of Alan Ladd's wife, Sue Carroll, who was also his agent, suggested he change his name to Charles Bronson. And he appears as Charles Bronson, I believe for the first time, not sure about that, but I believe for the first this time. This is his feature debut. Yeah. As Charles, Charles yes. Bronson in Drumbeat. So the year before in House of Wax, he was still Charles Buczynski here at Warner Brothers. But Drumbeat is a classic Cinemascope Western with a robust stereophonic soundtrack. It has been remastered in glorious Warner color, and I smirk when I say Warner, glorious Warner color because Warner color is a problematic process, <laughs> but we do our best with it. And it really, really looks and sounds terrific. And this was directed by Delmer Daves, a director we've talked about quite often here on the Warner Archive podcast and who is responsible for directing one of my favorite films, no less Western films, The Hanging Tree. But he also could do those wonderful, lush, soapy romances. A great director. And Drumbeat is a terrific film. What's interesting about these four films, which I think Matt was alluding to, which sort of plays into Alan Ladd's own taste and character, is these four films are very, very different stories. But underneath all of them is a very sort of strong... I don't want to say religious, but almost a parable aspect because all the characters he plays are people that are going through sort of a, a conversion process. And that conflict. Yeah. It's a it's conflict. A, it's a, these are, he's, he's constantly playing men in conflict with their own conscience who are striving to be better. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, the drama. And I think it's also handled in, in all the cases. It's a matter of, like, dignity. It isn't necessarily honor, although honor goes. But into there's it, a but strong there's... through line of pacifism. Yeah, he's a heroic Absolutely. character in a fighting. But over and over again, the characters you're playing 
are people that would rather have peace than war. And in this first film, he plays, I guess, a retired cowboy who is summoned by the president to become a peacemaker among the Indians. Yeah, it's an Indian fighter called out of retirement in order to wage peace. Unfortunately, Charles Bronson, as Captain Jack, has other ideas. And Captain Jack is not your typical Indian uh, villain. and I mean, he's not a villain. That's what's so great about the roles. It's a very complex role. Uh, the best part, of course, is that he's wearing a uh, Union officer's uh, jacket cut off at the sleeves, kind of giving him like a little bit of a gangster tough look. And that offends the people in the Oregon town so much that he's appropriated their dress and their medals like because he, he's such a threat to their way of life as the settlers are a threat to the Indians' life. Well, Drumbeat was a big hit when it hit the theaters in 1954 and is very much a product of its time. Uh, it deals with mm -hmm. the good guys versus the bad guys. It's got all the classic Western themes, but with a new, more modern, for that time, yeah. twist. And I think it's very odd to see Charles Bronson 20 years before Death Wish. <laughs> and before he became, really didn't become a superstar until he was an older man. Although he's superb in The Great Escape. Oh, yeah. His character is so strong in here and that you stop noticing that it's a young Charles Bronson. Like, he becomes this Indian chief. That nuance is all here. Speaking the, of nuance, <laughs> the big land. Now, this movie I just thought was crazy because it's a... Railroad Reconstruction Utopia movie. And it reunites Alan Ladd and Virginia Mayo, who had been in The Iron Mistress together, and is directed by stalwart Warner Brothers director, Jack of All Trades Can Do No Wrong, Gordon Douglas, 1957. This is not Cinemascope, but widescreen, and uh, this is wonderful to see in its proper aspect ratio, looking terrific. And... Um, Quite a, an action-packed film. Yeah, and an ensemble, very much mm -hmm. ensemble. Very tight, wonderful supporting cast. Uh, uh, Alan Ladd plays a war veteran who's who's trying to build a new life and encounters the entrenched forces of status quo corruption. So he puts together a ragtag band, and they're going to set out to build a new settlement by a new railroad spear. But, of course, the corrupt cattlemen won't let that happen. We talk about Westerns that, uh, you know, they deal with uh, civilizing changes, and this is a technological change. The cattlemen story of the cattlemen going up to Kansas and Wichita is a Western staple, but this is like the origin story of that. And that's that makes it kind of fun and unique. And it's very much sort of a Moses promised land. Yes. Edmund O'Brien's great. He plays an architect. We can build the town who here. Who likes to drink. Yeah, Virginia yeah. Mayo's great as a saloon singer. I mean, there's a lot of this rich cinema stuff going on, but there's also a really compelling story. And he's really greatness as someone who's just tired of it all. It was uh, Reconstruction era. What are you going to do? Build a new world, Dan. Build a new world. You know, speaking of building a new world, it, it's again this theme of faith versus mm -hmm. what do I do? This is not a Western, but this is a war-themed film, the next film, The Deep Six, which is directed by Rudolph Mattei, who directed a handful of films, but is better known as a famed cinematographer. He shot The Lady from Shanghai, among other films. But he was a very, very capable, competent director, 
and uh, Alan Ladd thought enough of him to give him this gig. And The Deep Six is an interesting film because it takes place in both peacetime and then wartime. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite war movies. And in researching it for the podcast, I didn't realize that that the story had actually originally been developed as a TV movie and then got the big screen treatment. It's a great story. And what's also great about this film is it has an amazing cast. It's a ship of fun with uh, a lot of different character actors. There's, of course, Dan's favorite of all time at this for this time period. For this Edwin's, time period. For yeah. this time period. I said that. Edwin's kid. <laughs> Edwin's kid. <laughs> and his mustache. But it's also teamed up with William Bendix, who, you know, is perhaps my transitional Jenkins to Keenan Wynn. Right. There's Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. This is the time when Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was under contract to Warner Brothers, so he would be appearing on the big screen, as well as, at this point, he was hitting big as Stu Bailey on 77 Sunset Strip. James Whitmore. My favorite Armenian. Alvin. Roz, and I, I can, I never can say Ross his name. Ross Yeah, I never can say his name right, because as a kid, it always used to throw me. Alvin. Yeah, the chipmunks are all there in human form, but um, and Joey Bishop, of course. And, oh yeah, and I forgot. Yeah, I went right one to of the his chipmunks. Earliest yeah. screen appearances. I was just going to say that the Armenian character in the Armenian community—you don't really see that in films uh, from this time—and how that you know there's an Armenian in every port. I, I love that. That was a great little note you never see in naval uh, or any military. So movies. basic setup for the Deep Six. Yeah, Alan Ladd plays a Quaker who's mm-hmm. also an officer who's ability to serve is called into question because of his belief set. So his religion, which is mostly they would be conscientious objectors. Yeah, so but he uh, when a Quaker's manhood is questioned, what's he to do? But volunteer to take on a almost suicidal mission to uh, rescue a bunch of down men. This is again another film in the proper widescreen aspect ratio. It was one eight five in the theaters and too often was seen on television, pan and scan, Mm -hmm. smushy and ugly and yucky, and now it looks great. And speaking of looking great, The Great Outdoors serves as the backdrop for Guns of the Timberland, 1960. And this is a film that is the swan song of Alan Ladd and Mm -hmm. uh, his work at Warner Brothers. And this is the last of the Jaguar productions that came from Warner. Would we call this a Northwestern? All shot in California, but yes. Uh, it's based on a Louis L'Amour story. Instead of ranchers versus right. sheepmen, she this is ranchers versus loggers. And you get a, a funny kind of Northwest uh, twist to it because the ranchers are upset that if all of the trees are removed, that removes the watershed and will ruin their ranches. It's like environmental destruction in the 19th century. And, you know, due to mudslides, due to mudslides. But also they were intoning that the weather was going to shift. And there's also uh, another lad in this film. Oh, yes. George, who is the little kid? David Ladd. Yeah. Well, David Ladd is in The Big Land. Alana Alana Ladd is his sister, and she's in Guns of the Timberland. I was just trying to keep it all straight. There we go. And uh, as is a young, semi-young Noah Berry Jr. This is the one with Frankie Avalon, right? Yes, and this is just at the time when he was breaking into movies as he was already a big record star. So he was in movies like The Alamo 
and here he is in Guns of the Timberland. And he brings uh, rock and roll to the past a little is, bit. This is before, <laughs> it's the Northwest. It's before yeah. he became the Castilian. <laughs> you know. So yeah. anyway, these four Alan Ladd films we had made them available a little while ago as an exclusive with one of our third-party partners, but now it's available at WarnerArchive.com as well as everywhere you can buy DVDs online. These four Alan Ladd films are now available, so we urge you to pick them up. They're worthy additions to your library, and if you're a fan of the great Alan Ladd, and if you're not, you should be, we urge you to pick them up. We also want to mention The Iron Mistress, Santiago, The McConnell Story, and The Badlanders, which are other Alan Ladd films in the Warner Archive collection. Great, talented actor, highly underrated because his films aren't seen enough. And if you see his films, you'll understand why he was such a huge star for several decades. We're going to make a very distinct crossing of of the, well, the freeway was there by then, I guess. But <laughs> we're going to go to the other side of town to a place called Monogram Pictures, which was on Sunset Boulevard in the Silver Lake section of California. Where, where, what, where was Monogram? I didn't know that. Where uh, KCET is now. That was Monogram yeah. Studio. That's where... Actually, KCET is not there Yeah, anymore, no, no, right? that's the... Um, COS the, Studios. The large... Let's leave it at that. Yeah, the large religious organization in yes. the area. So the Monogram Studios were on Sunset Boulevard, and, of course, sure. they had the, the Iverson Ranch up in Chatsworth and... Uh, or Calabasas, I don't know exactly where the Iverson Ranch is, but they did a lot of their exteriors for the Westerns up there, but we are not dealing with Westerns here. We deal with monogram Westerns a lot, but here we have three film noir monogram titles and one film noir that's longer than 65 or 70 minutes (laughs) and therefore became an A picture and went out through allied artists. Monogram created an A picture line so that they had two brands, Monogram being the name of their company, and their higher budget, higher toned projects uh, went out as Allied Artists films. And we have released some of them, uh, like the Babe Ruth story and Warner Home Videos released. It happened on Fifth Avenue, and it happened on Fifth Avenue was even in Warner Archive Instant. That was a great Um, holiday hit. But uh, Allied Artists eventually became the name of the corporation. Monogram changed its name from Monogram to Allied Artists in 1953, and all the films, whether low budget or bigger budget, had the Allied name. But we're focusing on noir here, and we have three noirs that are Monogram branded and one that is Allied Artist branded. So let's talk about them individually. And most of them you likely have never heard of because they've been out of distribution for 50 or 60 years. And it's our task to restore them and bring them back and let you enjoy them. And the joys are many to be had. Let's start with Below the Deadline from 1946. I really, really like this. But I do have a question, as I do with some of the, with, often with some of these films, is uh, what does that title mean in relation to the film? There are no deadlines in this film. It sounds noiry and there's, there's gambling and there's there's a, a fixed election, but at no time is there anyone filing a story. Don't gamble with deadlines. <laughs> um, what, what I like, I'm going to just, wait, I just want to quote from the poster. Okay. Because I love monogram posters, and when we talk about them, I like to quote some of the taglines. This one was, 
they taught this GI how to use a gun, and he's using it. The other tagline was, they play the love game the way they gamble. It's winner take all. The story to this film is mm-hmm. really not what you expect. Nope. It no. doesn't play out in any way. It's really engaging. It Surprised sets up me. a very predictable thing and just goes takes off a left, on the left and takes a left and takes a left. At Albuquerque. And, and the story for this was the very first screen credit by someone we've talked about many times, Ivan Torres. Yes. That's right. And this has no animals or monkeys in it. Or blue sky science fiction. Yet, it does have a very interesting, engaging story. Essentially... A gambler is killed by a rival, and right. his GI brother, who's seen terrible fighting in the Pacific, inherits his entire operation and unexpectedly jumps full force into being a crooked gambler. He says it. He's like, I'm going to grab it now. I saw what happened over there with some guys. No, I mean, now we would very much yeah. talk about PTSD and, and he's all. Got and it. He's got it, and he's going to take it on society. But there are some angels in his background. And what's great about these monogram noirs is they're very efficient yeah. storytelling. Although, it, you know, you're not like, oh, that was short. You were like, I got a full story out right. of it. No, you were, yeah. Right. You were it's, there. It's the way that early Warner Brothers films from the earlier part of the 30s were made with efficiency. Yeah. Speaking of that, like, once again, these noirs, you know, they have, well, it's, let's just say that younger women were older then. Oh, my. Yeah, they, <laughs> when you, they reveal the characters' uh, uh, ages. Uh, uh, these noirs are a little more like jazz, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't take a lot of time with these, and there's an improvisational element to them that keeps you on your feet. Not to skip ahead, but like when yeah. I was watching Stage Struck, and we'll, we'll go back and do this oh, in order. Oh, yeah, Stage but, Struck. But there's a party scene, and at this point, we've watched enough of mm-hmm. these monogram noirs that I was like, oh, it's the party apartment. You recognize the <laughs> Everything. sets. Yeah. Everything. And you recognize from the Bowery Boys or whether right. it's oh, from the yeah. Monogram Louis Cowboys. Sweet Shop makes a great entrance yeah. in, in I mean, this. Like, uh, it's I it's kind that. of in a way like the Hal Road shorts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, know, yeah. you recognize the same scenes that were shot for a Laurel and Hardy short were used kinda, for our like gang a, short. It's yeah. like a mom and pop shop. Like, you exactly. know, you're, yeah. you're recognizing exactly. the same people. It's a family same, business. You know, you, you just start to feel this and you're like, oh, so let's talk about the cast for Below the Deadline, 1946. Warren Douglas is the army vet. George Meeker is the gambler brother. Uh, Ramsey Ames plays the love interest. And she's really good in this. Yep. She's very good. Not very well known. Yeah. I deserve was... to have more of a career. Yep. And this is really the kind of film that we love bringing you because you don't see it on TV. Nope. It's never been available on home video. And it's a real noir discovery. The next film is the Allied Artist film. So bigger budget, little longer running time, and the leading lady the of The Ice Mon- Queen of Noir. The, the Ice Queen of Noir. <laughs> star of Lady Let's Dance, soon to come from the Warner Archive, but the amazing Belita is the star of The Hunted. And this film actually has been shown in some of the film noir festivals. Mm-hmm. Can, can um, we do a figure skate film noir collection? I mean, because she yeah. also did, which is also available from Warner Archive, Suspense mm-hmm. That's from right. 1946, The Other Ice Skating Noir. Quick, That's tell right. us a little bit about Belita, George. Yes, well, please. Belita was a big star at Monogram, and then when they started making the films at Allied Artists, you know, <laughs> she was no Sonia Henney, but she also wasn't a controversial figure, and uh, she had a brief but intriguing career. People love uh, her movies. I think she's much more appreciated now than she was at the time. But The Hunted is a really transfixing noir 
This is a, a downright classic. There is a question of guilt and innocence uh, in this that isn't just the apparent guilt and innocence, nope. but uh, it works on multiple levels and ultimately. Sometimes a good cop is not a very good cop. No. <laughs> Thank um, God Charles McGraw is waiting around to do a cameo and straighten things out. There you go. Let's just. The setup a little bit is uh, Belita's character has just spent four years in jail for a crime she says she didn't commit. And her boyfriend, who's the cop... Who sent her to jail. ...is welcoming her back into the but world. But doesn't believe her. Sorry no. I sent you to jail, but I'm glad you're home. Honey. Yeah, you did your time. Now Love I you. think you might have been mixed up in a murder. Hence the hunting. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, that's just a relationship that is noiry doomed from the start. But we do get a figure skating scene. Uh, I love figure skating noir. I wish they made more. We, we have protagonist on the run. We have guilt-ridden cop. This is a very good <laughs> I only wish film. he had skated some question marks. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> Zoom. You know, but uh, there they weren't very many ice skaters in the movies, and uh, Belita is, I'd say she's probably better appreciated now than Sonia Henney was at Fox. Well, Belita, well, I don't Belita say has about... a lot more to offer. Yes, as this film amply demonstrates. But this is really a terrific noir, and this is something that people have been asking for for a long time. We've remastered it. We're delighted to bring it your way. And now back to True Monogram mm -hmm. and a film called Stage Struck. Now, this is one of three films called Stage Struck in our library. There's a 1936 Warner Brothers musical called Stage Struck. This is not that. There's also the remake of Morning Glory that RKO did in 1958 with Henry Fonda uh, and Susan Strasberg. Morning Glory, of course, being the film that Katharine Hepburn won her first Oscar for. This is not that film either. This is the Monogram 1948 stage struck, and it's quite an intriguing noir. Gentlemen, opine. Well, or as I would put it, the shadow battles Dick Tracy for the soul of a lady. Citizen Kane, Richmond. It, this, <laughs> this one also, stage struck, reminds me a little bit more of like black market babies. Right, where they're right. taking it, a it, ripped from the headline. Right, it's You've a transitional procedural noir. We have you know Bureau of Missing Persons and fourteen thousand women go missing as we right. try to figure. Yeah, also that opening sequence. I don't want to spoil anything because, but it is the opening. But the very opening sequence, that shot of the shot, yes, is amazing. But what makes this different from a ripped from the headlines movie is that that's just the jumping off. That's point. the frame. Yeah. And then you go into noir, just the nugget of it, which we can, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not ruining anything. But they're getting behind the scenes of uh, a, these criminals who prey on women who've come to New York to become stars. They're a management company, an agency, and they're like, baby, you're perfect, but you got to take these acting lessons from our acting teacher, and they're really expensive, and the only way to finance it is to become a girl in our club. Dun, Hostess. Dun, dun. Hostess, and no one listening to the podcast can see your fingers doing Oh, yeah, clothes. yeah, yeah. I did do, and I only did it's one. It's the same kind of hostess as in Betty Davis's Marked Woman in 1937. Yeah. yeah. So use that as your reference. A girl is murdered and her sister journeys to the big city because those do-nothing cops nope. haven't cracked the case in three nope. whole weeks. So what are you going to do? And this innocent girl from the Midwest is immediately 
cool, collected, getting she's in behind amazing. the scenes. It's it's just, she, and she takes acting lessons. Yeah. Air quotes. I would really like to know what goes on in the town she's from that she was able to don that guys that easily. Uh, you know the Midwest, and some people on the coast call it flyover country, but yeah. we know that's where super spies are made. Great cast, as we mentioned: Kane Richmond, Ralph Bird, Conrad Nagel. There's. A number of good plot twists thrown at the very yep. end. Oh, yeah. There's a lot you don't see coming. There's a lot you do. But all of it is really enjoyable. I just love the setup of this whole thing. Uh, yeah. It's it's one of those clever confection concoctions of monogram. Yeah. That make monogram so lovable for the kind of movies that they made. You know, George, but thanks to you today, I'm imagining this happening across the street from the Vons near my house. <laughs> That's true, because it's not a pavilion. And even though, like, now Kane Richmond is probably best known for the hero serials he did, mm-hmm. I could watch him play bad guys in these monograms all day long. He's so good. The last of our monogram quartet is called Incident. The film is about an incident and quite an incident. This is one of my favorites of the group. you got to love the voiceover. The voiceover is kind of funny because he's like, you make a wrong turn or have an incident. This could happen to you (laughs) or to you. I love that. It's like they're trying to do like sliding doors. However. a, A stockbroker. Makes an ill-fated choice to walk home. Yeah, is mugged, missed the bus. Is mugged by accident. Yeah, and thus we are thrown into a complex web of crime and romance. Speaking of villains, we have uh, one bad guy named Knuckles, and the other guy's name is Slat. And I determined when I was putting a bed frame together and handling slats the very same day that that's what I want my nickname to be. If Unfortunately, the guy that was going to play Hammer Toes was cut <laughs> yeah. out of the movie. But uh, this is a terrific movie. You want to talk about the cast? Warren Douglas yeah. again, this time playing the stockbroker who uh, quickly delves into becoming crime fighter. Hey. But then when the guy who beat him up is taken care of, he's like, I'm done. So Incident is the fourth of the four monograms. Again, I'll go over the titles below the deadline. The Hunted, from Allied Artists, slash monogram. Stage Struck and Incident, all worthy additions to your film noir collection. Now available from the Warner Archive collection. And we love our monogram. We love our film noir. And we also love the great series, television series, that we're able to bring to you after years and years of fan requests and Medical Center has been a beloved release from the Warner Archive Collection, so much so that we're now at the fifth season for Dr. Joe Gannon and Dr. Lochner. We don't see very much of Dr. Lochner towards Mm -mm. season five uh, as his roles become less and less and uh, Dr. Joe's sideburns increase in (laughs) size. But this is also a very interesting period in the history of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and MGM television when this while this series was being filmed, it was literally the only thing that was really going on at MGM because it was in the fall of 1973 that mm-hmm. MGM announced it would no longer make feature films and it was pulling out of the distribution business that it was going to focus on its hotel business. And the only thing that was in production was Medical Center. Medical Center continued production, continued airing on CBS, was still a big success. And in an editing room, Jack Kelly Jr. was tinkering on something for the studio's 50th anniversary called That's Entertainment, Mm. which opened at the Uh. Ziegfeld Theater in New York, just as Medical Center's last episode of season five 
was airing. So mm-hmm. in the middle, That's Entertainment went on to be the sixth biggest grossing film of 1974, and uh, Dan Melnick became head of production and resuscitated MGM to make movies like The Sunshine Boys and Network. But mm-hmm. in the middle of that, it was doom and gloom in Culver City. And the Phantom of Hollywood. Yeah, and I was the middle, say. Right, in the middle of that, you had... There was one other thing. Medical Center and Dr. Joe saving lives with great guest stars. It's also a great time capsule of that period in American history because, sure. yep. you know, Medical Center was a show that very much prided itself in, like, cutting-edge storylines. Right. And you see them confronting things that... Now when you're looking back in 1974, you're like, well, this show really was ahead of the gate. It's so ahead of the gate that you start comparing it to now. Different, you know, because we've been watching medical procedure roles from, you know, even the 30s, right, till now. And you've seen how medical technology has changed. And Medical Center is, you know, Dr. Kildare, which we've talked about Mm -hmm. recently and we'll continue to talk about as we release further seasons. Dr. Kildare was groundbreaking and mature mm-hmm. in how it dealt with medicine in the early 60s. Accordingly, from 69 onward, Medical Center took things a step forward. Later on, we would have ER, and right. House MD, and other right. shows that dealt with medicine in different ways. But Medical Center was pretty much the only game in town other than Marcus Welby. And, and this, yeah. And this, <laughs> and Marcus Welby, okay. well, this is sort of funny because now I have to, yeah. I'm, I'm relying on my memories of Marcus Welby, which probably isn't fair because we do get this thing with Dr. Kildare where people are like, Ben Casey was like the, yeah. the, the gritty show and Kildare was, was the soap show, which is absolutely not true. Yeah. And I was just about to say that Marcus Welby was more soapier than Medical Center, but like I said, Look, I bet you I'm being unfair. With this season, I watched uh, the first disc, the first four episodes uh, straight through. I unfortunately, and this is not my normal reaction, was I wanted Chad Everett's wardrobe. <laughs> you want that car. I wanted that car so bad. And I'd like to date some of those women. I mean, he has the best medical job ever. I was so and jealous we have some of his job. Amazing guest stars in every amazing. season. Yeah. Some returning in different roles. And, and uh, <laughs> now, yes. Audrey Totter is now a regular as Nurse Wilcox. Right. Uh, but, like, the guest stars, uh, just to call out some of the extraordinary women that show up in this season, uh, Julie Harris, Starker Channing, Jill Clayburgh, Celeste Holm, Meg Foster, and, of course, April Dancer. That's what I was talking <laughs> about, because I believe this is the second go-round for Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers, yeah. But in a very different role, looking as beautiful and gorgeous as she did a decade before in Girl from Uncle and in the, even the earlier episodes of Medical Center. But her episode is one of my favorites yeah. in this series. Dan, what are some of the uh, shenanigans that go on this season? Well, in between our medical issues of uh, sudden infant death and hysterical mm-hmm. paralysis, treating gambling as a real addiction, uh, yeah. we also confront social ills. Like intolerance, mm-hmm. the male midlife crisis. Uh, that was one of my favorites, by the way. POWs returning home, PTSD, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. uh, repressed homosexuality, which was very daring for 1974. Uh, yes, amazingly so. I mean, and it was a really show. noticed. Yeah. But yeah. again, let us not forget that you know podcasts and years ago, not that long ago. <laughs> We talked about the Stanley Milgram study yeah. and how Medical oh, Center yeah. was a part of that. Yeah. This was a show very much on the cutting edge that has a very important place in television history. And that after its initial run, it went into syndication, then disappeared completely. And we've remastered it, 
season by season. And we're happy to say also that in addition to releasing these seasons on DVD, that several seasons are now available in HD on Warner Archive Instant, our streaming service. So however you view Drs. Gannon and Lochner and their adventures in medicine, you will enjoy Medical Center, and we will continue to bring season six and seven in the future to DVD and eventually to Warner Archive Instant as well, that it will be all available no matter how you slice it. I'm just excited. I hope he changes his car every season. Anyway, Medical Center, the fifth season, is a six-disc set containing all the episodes that were originally broadcast on CBS during 1973-74 season. They've all been remastered, and they look terrific, and we urge you to add that to your library. So now it's time to talk about Warner Archive Instant, which I just talked about a little bit. Warner Archive Instant is, of course, our subscription video-on-demand service that you can view on your PC and your Mac, but you can also view it on your Roku or your Roku Stick, and your iPad is the gateway with AirPlay for you to view it on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And using Roku or iPad slash AirPlay slash Apple TV, you can view much of our content in 1080p HD. None of it available, or most of it not available in HD anywhere else. And almost everything in Warner Archive Instant is not available anywhere else. And that's what makes it so exciting for an alternative streaming service. And you can try now for a month free. Full month. And more importantly, once you try it, you're going to want to subscribe forever. Well, <laughs> well, we have some. We, we have, we some have new, new options. We have new options. We have multi-month. Right. We've got a six-month plan and a full-year plan with a very significant discount. Also, we just updated our iPad app. And now, if you don't like dealing with the regular World Wide Web, you can go in on the iPad. You can handle your subscription from there through iTunes. So uh, you can use your... I believe that's called in-app purchasing. Yeah, you can in-app purchase, but that sounds markety. I just wanted to be like, you can press buttons and money automatically gets sucked out. So by all means, go to the iTunes store and check out the app for Warner Archive Instant. But you can also go and download the Warner Archive Instant channel on your Roku. Or you could just go to the web and sign up. And once you sign up and try it, you'll love it. There's always new content being added in. Each week when we do a Warner Archive Collection podcast, we always try to let you know some of our picks and some of our favorites that have been added or recently added or maybe not so recently added to the service. But there's hundreds and hundreds of movies and hundreds and hundreds of hours of television programming in the service. So, Matt, what's your pick? I'm getting on the Chad Everett train. Oh, but I think post that doesn't sound right. Okay, then let's make it on a ship because Uh, I'm doing well doing. I watched again the French Atlantic Affair. We talked about that. It's a three part TV movie. It's a mini series. It's a mini series produced by Aaron Spelling. Ah, so good. It's got medallions. Telly Savalas plays a religious cult leader who decides the best way to get attention is to hijack a transatlantic passenger ship full of people vacationing unaware for much of the three episodes of the religious terror that is about to descend upon them. Chad Everett's in it, and Shelley Winters is uh, probably my favorite character in it who plays a follower. 
and telly. this is you know she doesn't die uh, you know swimming oh, like no. in Poseidon Adventure. In no, this one. she goes down in glory. She goes down in glory. That goes without saying. This is one of the many mini series that we have released on DVD through the Warner Archive collection that we're now offering in Warner Archive Instant, and we've ramped up our television content in Warner mm -hmm. Archive Instant so that more of the films and television shows that you enjoy as part of the Warner Archive collection are also available on Warner Archive Instant with a decided emphasis on more TV, and we've added a lot more um, TV lately. And, and you know, because we've talked about these earlier on the podcast, and these are great on the Instant service because they're right there. You just dive right in, to pardon the cruise ship pun. So, Dan, what's your pick? Well, I'm going to double up. Um, I'm going to be short and sweet. I'm going to recommend people, and these are both high-definition offerings. Oh. Uh, in celebration of the monogram pictures that we talked about, uh -huh. I'm recommending Ivan Tor's Doctari, uh -huh. which looks great in high definition and is a family favorite. And speaking of the jungle and monogram, I'm also recommending people check out Bomba the Jungle Boy in high definition with Johnny Sheffield. And Peggy Ann Garner, and this is the first of 12 Bomba the Jungle Boy features that would be made at monogram and allied artists as they Oh, yeah. Traverse the corporate change in names. But the first of the Bamba films that are based on the pulp novels, and we've talked about those, mm -hmm. this is really not only the first, but probably the best, I would say, of all the films. And you can watch it in HD on Warner Archive Instant. And those are excellent selections. My selection is the best of Surfside 6. Ooh. which is one of the many Warner Brothers television detective shows which aren't available on DVD yet, but like 77 Sunset Strip and Hawaiian Eye, we offer a collection of the very best episodes from those series on Warner Archive Instant, and you can't see them anywhere else. And we now have both part one and part two of the best of Surfside 6. And uh, this show has a terrific cast, including Van Williams... Troy Donahue, and Lee Patterson, who fans not, of not one... Not related. No relation to Matt. Fans of One Life to Live may remember him as Joe Riley mm -hmm. in the 70s, married to Vicky and Nikki and Vicky and Nikki, but that's only for One Life to <laughs> Live fans. <laughs> but they would basically take the concept that works so well on 77 Sunset Strip and move locations with up-and-coming young peppy actors and that worked for Hawaiian Eye. Surfside 6 is set in Miami Beach and uh, Diane McBain is the lovely leading lady who is beguiling and bewitching in many of these episodes and we also want to put in a little plug that she was the leading lady in our recent Warner Archive collection release of Claudel English. What's also oh, interesting yeah. about the Warner detective shows is, like the Warner Westerns, mm -hmm. they inhabit a shared universe. <laughs> yeah. 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 They yeah. Sunset Strip and Hawaiian Eye and right. Surfside 6 and Burma Street Beat, they're all... Because you, yeah. you'll see Kookie make mm -hmm. an appearance here. And that's funny because normally you start to associate that more with, like, the Aaron Spelling shows oh, yeah. or, like, you know, the, uh, the 70s is when that was more popularized, but here it is. Also, was One Life to Live on after All My Children? Yes. This isn't available on DVD, right? No. This is no. the only way to see the it. The only way to see it, and it is not the full series. It's a best of, 
but we bring you a multitude of episodes. Over 30 episodes are available, That's and it great. really, it, this was not a long-running series. I think it only ran two seasons, but the seasons in those days were, you know, many, 20, many 30, episodes. 32. They knew how to work actors. And uh, <laughs> the actors are put through their paces oh in my. really engaging stories, very well directed, and you have the production values that only a big studio, uh, the entertainment capital of the world, Warner Brothers, could bring to their productions. And uh, the episodes of Surfside 6 have long been unavailable, and now you can see them when you become a member of Warner Archive Instant. So if you haven't become a member yet, try it for a month for free. You'll be hooked. You'll love it. And we're always adding new and exciting content. Now, it wouldn't be a Warner Archive Collection podcast without a letter, but we can't get letters unless you send them to us. So, Matthew, would you please tell the listening audience where they may send Mm. their snail mail correspondence, preferably with a stamp? And please hurry. We haven't got a letter in three weeks. Yeah, you know, what Dan actually looks at, we, we have like a little common letter drop box, and especially after the podcast, that's the first time you look. You look, see, is there anything for next week? And it really brings a tear to his eye when we're so forgotten. It's like when I woke up on Christmas morning and ran to my stocking and it was empty. So please, you know, you know what the New York Times used to do, the hundred neediest cases? Well, (laughs) these these guys really need your letters, folks. So get your crayons out because we prefer the letters to be in crayon and send them to Warner Archive Collection, B160-8. 3400 Riverside Drive, Burbank, California, 91522. And we have another letter from Jimmy, longtime listener, longtime writer. And folks, we're not paying him to send us these letters. He really (laughs) does send us these letters. And we thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy sends us on loose leaf. By the way, Jimmy's handwriting is really good. I don't know if I've commented on that before, but other people have heard me stumble on other ones. Ah, here we go. Hello, Warner Archive. I'm enjoying watching Flo and the first four seasons of Alice. When are you going to be releasing season five? Jimmy. We don't have a date, but we're working on it, and we hope to bring you the rest of the series. And and we just put uh, season one up on Instant. That's right. Season one of Alice is now available on Warner Archive People are really liking that, too. It's a blue plate special. Yeah. All right. Streaming your way. So that wraps up this edition of the Warner Archive Collection podcast. But don't worry, we'll be back next week with a raft of new releases coming to you on DVD, potentially on Blu-ray, and even on Warner Archive Instant. We have lots of things to talk about in our next podcast. So make sure you keep your eyes out for that. Until then, I'm George Feltenstein. I'm Matt Patterson. Jumpin' Joe. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next Warner Archive Collection podcast.